It's time for episode 525 of the Clockwise Podcast from Relay FM, recorded Wednesday, October 18th, 2023. Clockwise, four people, four tech topics, 30 minutes. Welcome back to Clockwise, the tech podcast where we have a spooky good time. My name is Dan Morin, and I am joined across the internet by my good friend, my pal, my co-ghost. It is the one and only Spooky <laughs> Micah Sargent. Hello, Micah. How are you? Hallowed halls. Yes, indeed. As October creeps ever forward, we get spookier with each episode. Uh, I am doing... I was going to say whale, but whales aren't spooky. I'm doing well, Dan. Whales are spooky. <laughs> I'm in a well, Dan. Oh, okay. That's <laughs> the, the spookiest place to record a podcast, for sure. Uh, this is, of course, the show where we invite on two fantastic guests to discuss four tech topics. To my left this week, it is insomniac extraordinaire, Aline Sims. Welcome back, Aline. You know, I had to put down my latest Dan Morin book to come talk to you today, but I forgive you since I'm talking to you. <laughs> no one else do that, though. Everyone else continue. Everyone else read it. Continue reading. <laughs> and to my left, past the cobwebs and over the rotted pumpkins, is developer and co-host of Biff. It's Guy English. Welcome back, Guy. I want to burn the whole world down. <laughs> I'm having a very bad day, but you are all the highlight of it. I am I am looking forward to this. It's going to be a lot of fun. Excellent. Let us start the fun with my topic. I want to know what is an Apple app that you think is underappreciated, but that you love. Aline, let's start with you. I don't hear many good things. I hear neutral things about um, the Notes app, but... I'm telling you now, I used the heck out of it. I have used the heck out of it over the last couple of months. Um, it's where I put my wish list for um, Justin's mom and my mom, um, put all the links to the things I want because they insist on buying us stuff for Christmas. Um, so I send them wish lists and notes as a shared note. My mother-in-law was recently um, hospitalized for an extended period, and we used notes to coordinate like what questions we had for the doctors, what we knew about her care plan, what we knew about like her current situation, if she had any medication changes for when she came home. And we had that as a shared note between um, my husband, my mother-in-law, myself. And it was, it's excellent. It, um, it does have some sinking snafus every once in a while. Um, but for the most part, it works really, really, really well. And it's easy to use. Like we don't have to explain markdown or, or anything for formatting text. It just kind of is a not super straightforward, but straightforward enough WYSIWYG editor for iPhone and iPad and computer. And it's, it's, it's good. It does really well. I'm going to go with Wallet. I really like Wallet for uh, its ability to be a house for a home for all of the different passes that I have. And I'm the kind of person who is always thrilled to add another pass to my wallet. I've got one for my insurance, all of the options that you definitely have from the different apps that support them, Starbucks and all of that. But on top of that, I use an app called Make Pass that lets me create custom 
passes to put in my wallet. And I find that delightful as well. It's a place where I can make sure that anytime I'm, you know, going to a place where I would get some sort of discount, I'm able to get the discount. And there's just something nice about double tapping the side button, having the pass section show up and like swiping through my little Rolodex of passes and finding the one that I'm looking for. And I think it's it's delightful. And I love adding new passes to the wallet app. Guy, what about yours? My choice would have to be reminders because I am dumb and I need to be reminded of things constantly. I like the widgets. I like that you can tie them to different locations. I think that like Notes, it is one of those applications that is far more flexible than is uh, expected just by what it says on the tin. Mm-hmm. Uh, reminders has been a, a real workhorse for me for years. And could I do without it? Sure, but I would just use something that was very close to it. So I, I think it's sort of a platonic ideal of just a very basic list of stuff that I need to get done. I am going to pick Numbers. Numbers is an app that, weirdly enough, I'm a person Ooh. who considers themselves largely a like, oh, like I, I, creative person. I don't, I don't deal with like spreadsheets and stuff, but I actually love, I love data. <laughs> I love crunching data. I have all this stuff that I need to keep track of. And there's something very appealing about putting stuff into that carefully ordered spreadsheet and making charts that you can stare at forever that, you know, they don't really change anything you do probably, but it's just interesting to see the data visualized. And I think numbers is so good at that, um, especially when it comes to making charts that are just great looking. Um, but also it's just really powerful as a spreadsheet. I know a lot of people will poo-poo it and say, you know, oh, Excel or anything. But honestly, Excel, it's ugly. And I just don't need <laughs> everything Excel can do. It's too much for me. I am not a person who is making spreadsheets for the consumption of other people that need all these complicated macros and whatever. I just am generating spreadsheets for my own reference. And more than anything, I want them to be easily consumable and things that I can just look at. So um, I really like numbers. It's got a ton of of stuff they can do it they added you know pivot tables not that long ago they've had uh, these cool organizational filters that they added uh, a few years back all of this stuff is just great for when you want to start like sorting data and looking at interesting trends and stuff like that i do all my you know i'm a freelancer so i do all my business stuff in there i keep track of like book sales and things like that i just anytime i want to like think about data i'm like oh i'm just gonna make a number spreadsheet uh, i love it i think it's it's wildly underappreciated uh and is among my favorite apps that apple makes so uh thank you all for your answers to that topic let's go to our second topic which comes from aline all right so there was an article in the wire cutter yesterday um and on my own holiday wish list i have some items to make reading better for me. Um, I read a ton. I read about a novel a day, typically. So um, I need a better I need a better way to read. So I'm curious, like, how do you read? How do you consume books? Do you consume books? And do you have a reading setup that you love? I am an audiobook person. So it is a little it's it's obviously a little bit different. Uh the thing that I like about audiobooks more than anything else is that for me as a person who does have ADHD, my hands and my legs and the rest of me can do a bunch of other things while I'm listening to an audiobook and mm-hmm. I need that. I it's hard for me to sit still and read read a book. And and so this is my way of being able to to do that. So I am listening to audiobooks 
except when my ears have to be used for other things pretty much. So I am not listening to an audiobook right now as I am answering this question. And that's that's my that's my setup. That's the way that I do it. So yeah, audiobooks. Guy, what about you? How do I love to read books? Honestly, on a plane, like one of those sort of confined locations where all you need is an escape, a book is just such a brilliant bridge from one person's mind and their imagination into your own life. And in situations where you are either confined or completely free, like on a beach kind of thing, it is such a journey to just visit their places, their their mental spaces in whatever situation you're in. I would like to read more novels, to be honest, and I am sort of prompted by this question, not to think about where or how I do it, but like I should really just do it more. Maybe that encourages listeners to go and buy Dan's books. I don't know. <laughs> or guess what? Somebody else's books. That would be cool too. Uh, books are great, and uh, I feel like I've been missing out. Thank you, Aline, for prompting me to re-examine my life. <laughs> That's I the didn't... clockwise guarantee. <laughs> Yeah, uh, yeah, it's a super deep show. Yeah, yeah, that's what we do. Uh, I read most days, but I tend to be mostly a like, um, you know, read before bed, and that's not always the best idea because I sometimes am tired and am falling asleep. But I do sort of work my way through things at kind of a steady pace. Not a novel a day, Aline. Um, but I that is something aspirational for me to shoot for because I would love to read that many books. And I guess, like I said, the answer to that is just to do it more. For me, in terms of how I read, um, I have two ebook readers. I have both a Kindle and a Kobo Libra. Um, I've been trying to read more stuff on the Libra, both because it has better integration with um, Libby, the library app I use, uh, as well as I just like the experience on Kobo. And I, I just wanted something that wasn't tied to the Amazon ecosystem as well. But there's sometimes there's only things I can get on the Kindle or it also allows me to share stuff with my wife, which is nice. Um, so I end up going back and forth sometimes. Um, but I don't really have much of a setup. Honestly, I just sort of read, you know, where I am usually in bed, uh, sometimes like sitting on a couch when I kind of I have to make more time. I have to work more brain space to do that. I have to remember to be like, oh, I could be reading right now. And then I also think to myself, oh, I have to go get my book, which is the one downside. I miss reading paper books. I, I love reading paper books, but it just it's not as tenable for me these days. I can't be acquiring too many new books. And it's certainly a lot more convenient to get ebooks from the library or to buy them when I can. Um, so uh, I do still enjoy reading paper books when I have a chance, but usually that's like rereading stuff that I've already got or things that I can't get in any other form. Um, but yeah, I don't really have much of a setup. Otherwise, I do like a good comfy chair or a window seat or something like that when I have it available. But, you know, I'll read wherever and whenever I can. Uh, why don't you wrap us up here, Lee? The the thing that spawned this question is um, what I'm calling in my brain always the Erica Insign um, setup. Uh, so Erica, several years ago, uh, shared with me that she has um, a stand that she keeps by her bed and a little um, device that can simulate a finger tap for her e-reader. And so she can keep her hands all nice and cozy under the covers and still flip pages on her Kindle without 
having to hold or not her Kindle, wow. her Kobo, and she can read while while in bed um, very comfortably. And so that's what I've put. I've put all of the devices on my wish list for um, Christmas and my birthday so that I my little hands get so cold in my room <laughs> at night when I'm reading in bed. Um, so, you know, if anyone else is uh, a heavy or even not even a heavy, if this would help you read more in bed because you hate having cold hands at night, um, look into getting a, a situation like that. Um, but I myself, I read um, mostly digitally ebooks um, and audiobooks. Audiobooks are, Micah, they are a valid form of reading yeah, for you. a slew of reasons. Um, people who listen to the Incomparable Book Club episodes might remember that most of the reading I do for the Incomparable, I do via audiobook. Um, but I have been more heavily reading, eyeball reading lately because I'm better at knitting now and I can knit and read at the same time if the pattern is simple enough, which is delightful for me. All right, that's two topics down, two topics left to go, which of course means it is halftime here at Clockwise. And I am so excited to tell you about a brand new sponsor here. A sponsor that is very near and dear to my heart, or I guess my stomach. This episode of Clockwise is brought to you by Wild Grain. Wild Grain is the first ever Bake From Frozen subscription box for sourdough breads, fresh pastas, and artisanal pastries. Every item bakes from frozen in 25 minutes or less, no thawing required. I have never been so excited as when I was told that somebody was going to send me a box full of bread as a podcast sponsorship. I think I lost my mind. I think I texted Micah immediately and said something like, I have 10 years of podcasting has all led to this moment. Anyways, Wild Grain shipped me a box with like three loaves of bread, a couple fresh pastas, and we have eaten, I think, almost all of it. I think we went through that bread in like... (laughs) Like four days or something like that. Uh, And it was great. It was really good. I love having fresh bread in the house and um, being able to just throw something in the oven and like 20 minutes later, you got yourself like a really nice loaf of bread. And these are good. They're really good. Um, It's just delightful. So it couldn't be easier just throwing something in the oven. And then like, I think you. the worst part is you have to wait for it to cool a little bit when it comes out because it does finish like cooking and stuff. And it'll end up being maybe a little too doughy if you cut into it too soon because all the steam gets out. So you need to like be patient. And that is the hardest thing in the world when it comes to fresh bread. But you will be rewarded for your patience. Plus, if you're entertaining with like a bunch of people, having a loaf of bread you can throw into the oven and then produce as though you've just cooked a loaf of bread from scratch and nobody needs to know uh, is amazing, uh, especially with the holiday season coming up. So now you can fully customize your Wild Grain box. You can get any combinations of breads, pastas, and pastries you like. If you just want a box that's all bread or all pasta or all pastries, you can have it. Plus, for a limited time, you can get $30 off the first box and free croissants in every box i don't i i'm having trouble even processing this free croissants in every box uh when you go to wildgrain.com slash clockwise to start your subscription you heard me i was not making it up free croissants in every box and thirty dollars off your first box when you go to w-i-l-d-g-r-a-i-n.com slash clockwise that's wildgrain.com slash clockwise or you can use the promo code clockwise at checkout thank you so much to wildgrain for their support of this show and Relay FM, and for sending me free bread. I really appreciate it. All right. Halftime is over. Micah, what do you got for us? My question for you, do you now own or have you ever owned an Apple Pencil? Do you use it? Have you ever used it? And what do you use it for? Guy, we'll start with you. I work in Photoshop. So yeah, Uh, I like the Apple Pencil. I use it a lot. 
I, I kind of wish I had more use cases for it, to be honest. Uh, my iPad is uh, often mostly used for work. The new lineup of the Apple Pencil is confused, and I sort of wish it would be adjusted. I think they're an incredible product. I just wish more of them would move to the higher end of the spectrum. It did not have obvious uh, advantage for mm-hmm. me personally, like personally speaking. I like the Apple Pencil as a product. I think it's very clever, especially the second generation one, the magnetic charging and the attachment. All that is great. Uh, I'm a really big fan of that. I think mainly it just ends up being very aspirational for me where it's something where it's like, oh, I'd love to use this more, but I'm not an artist. I don't do any of that. And so for me, um, it, it is something that I like the idea of, but don't end up using as much. I will say the thing I end up using it for the most is it's like a it's like a fidget device for me. Honestly, if I'm like sitting there uh, on a podcast or like especially if I'm playing like a D&D game because I'm often using my iPad for like a character sheet, I will have the pencil in my hands and I'll be like twirling it or whatever just because it's something to like physical to play with. And I do like using it for like moving around on the screen and navigation and occasionally like writing little notes or stuff like that. But it's not something that I get that probably is much out of as somebody in a more specialized line of work who might really need it for the stuff they do. So I, I appreciate the Apple Pencil. Uh, it baffles me a little bit that I have to, even though I don't use them that much. But <laughs> there you go. I guess it's compelling for some use cases. Aline? I wish I were artistic and drew with it. My husband um, will occasionally pull out his iPad and pencil and sketch and stuff. And I'm like, that must be nice. But I do use it for writing quite a bit. I mentioned notes earlier. And when my mother-in-law was in the hospital, I had my iPad mini and my Apple pencil and was hands taking notes um, because I do not love typing on glass. Um, so they got to read my handwriting when they, <laughs> when they wanted to go over what someone said or whatever. Um, I use it for sketching out. Um, I have a couple of app ideas, doesn't everybody. Um, so sketching out like UI elements very poorly. Um, and uh, honestly, my biggest use case for the Apple Pencil is I use GoodNotes for my knitting patterns. Every time I'm on clockwise, I talk about knitting because it's what I do 97% of the time. Um, but I keep my patterns in good notes and I use my Apple pencil to annotate them as I'm going along because if I'm making like ad hoc modifications or I need to put the knitting down for a little bit, need to remember where I am or I'm working off of um, a lot of knitting uses charts. Mm-hmm. Um, to tell you what stitches to do. And so I, I will write on there um, if I can't remember what a symbol means or if um, I'm done with a row, I cross it off using a highlighter tool. So I use it mostly for annotating PDFs. Um, also, like friends, if they um, send over their resumes and want feedback on it, I'll write on it and send it back because my handwriting is just good enough that I can get away with that. Um, so that's 90, 90% of my use case for the pencil. Nice. Um, so I am a lot like Dan in this. Uh, it's aspirational for me. I have the first gen and the second gen Apple Pencil, and I don't find myself using it too often. It just kind of sits atop the iPad um, looking at me, and I look at it, and it looks at me, 
and then I just leave it where it is. And, um, yeah, I, I wish that I used it more. Uh, that's part of the reason why I got it (laughs) so that it would, uh, encourage me to use it more. And for a while I was actually using it. I was, uh, kind of doing one of those learn to draw courses, but, uh, as you know, as often happens, life did happen and I did not stick with that. And so, yeah, now it's just, it's there. And so I wanted to see if uh, that was the experience for others as well. All right. Thank you all for your answers on that topic. Let us move to our next topic, which comes from Guy. I just uh, unboxed a uh, PlayStation 5 yesterday. One of the things that really, really struck me is that the setup process for this thing is pretty slick. I guess my question is, what other platforms or devices outside of sort of the the Apple ecosphere have you encountered that have such great onboarding and just like a a thoughtful process? I Let's see. I mentioned my Kobo Libra earlier. I think that one had a Mm -hmm. pretty smooth onboarding process for me. And it was interesting too, because coming from the perspective of like, I don't have anything else really in Mm -hmm. this ecosystem. So being able to set that up uh, was very, very easy um, I'm trying to remember whether the other sort of thing I was recently thinking about. I also have a PS5, and I, I thought that was pretty good as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll add my um, Nintendo Switch into the mix there, too, because I think Nintendo does a pretty good job of all those uh, technical aspects as well without making you jump through too many hoops. Um, because I think a lot of the game consoles especially have a invested interest in making the friction sure. experience low for you to get yeah. to this thing because it's a thing you're using for fun right and nobody wants it was to amazing there. at getting my yeah. credit card number you want to buy you want to buy spider-man 2 cool okay just put this on your phone and my phone auto completed all of my credit yeah. card details and it was like oh cool would you just thank you think thank think you for your about, money. think about your credit yeah. card number and we'll just pluck it right, right out of your head. <laughs> uh, we will separate you from your money no problem so yeah i i have been impressed with all those things um but yeah i think that the the ps5 was pretty good about it overall Aline, what about you I'm trying to think of like the last device I got to set up that wasn't my iPhone this year. And I think it was like an Xbox, but that was a year and a half ago. And I do not remember anything about the process. Um, I I do wish that more companies were thoughtful about mm-hmm. the setup experience, though, because so, so often you get something and the packaging is hard to get into, which like I get from a certain perspective, but once you got the box open, all bets are off. Just, just let people get to the product, you know? Um, so like everything from like the, the package design to actually like onboarding, a lot of companies don't think about it a whole lot or they don't prioritize it because they think that people like you're only going to do this once, right? Ideally anyway. Um, and so they don't, consider it but it's it's your first impression of the product as you're you know getting used to using it and um a lot of companies just don't prioritize that and i wish more did i think that's yeah that's how i feel about it as well i would say um it's not necessarily an onboarding thing but i've noticed a market improvement in online payment workflows um the process has gotten so much better. And I think a lot of it has to do with these different services like uh, Shopify 
and uh, a few others that are really trying to just make the the whole experience kind of one thing. So regardless of whether you're using an app or you're using the web, it just works and it can happen quickly. And so it, they've gotten a lot better at taking my money. But at the same time, I am met with, yes, in Stripe, and I met with um, this great experience where I can Apple pay. And then in moments on my phone, I'm getting a notification that lets me track uh, something. And I can see kind of the state of the product, how long it's going to be until it gets to me. Uh, and then like the returns end up being part of it as well. And it's very easy to do that, although I very rarely return anything. I just think that, um, yeah, it, as a whole, I know it's not quite onboarding, but just the experience of purchases uh, has gotten better. And uh, the same applies. I'll quickly say this, too. Um, I have to give props to Wix. I wouldn't like Wix has always been this sort of overdone sort of website design platform. Um, but there's a local theater company in my area and I bought tickets to a show the other day. And, uh, the email that I got after purchasing it had my PDF of my tickets, but then also two attachments that were pass files, eh, throwback to my, my topic earlier, or uh, my answer earlier. And I was able to send one pass file to my partner. I had the other one and boom, open it up in the wallet app with no problem. And it was Wix that was handling all of the payment and ticketing stuff behind the scenes. So yeah, I think that there's just been a real uh, improvement to those, those experiences. Uh, Guy, why don't you round us out here? I think my favorite experience there has been sort of informed by Apple and and what's happening. Uh, uh, you know, when you can place you know your iPhone onto something, you, you have a great uh, onboarding experience. I think PlayStation did a, a terrific job. And to be perfectly honest, I asked that question because I thought maybe I'd be missing out on a broader ecosystem. Uh, a, a broader approach to technology because I'm mostly just using Apple stuff and the PS5 that I just recently got. And I I worry as somebody who is essentially a technologist that I am not keeping my eye on the broader uh, perspective of things. So I sort of appreciate all of the, uh, uh, the insights that, that you've all given me. All right, that's four topics down. We got just enough time for a bonus topic. But first, I want to remind you that you can also support the show by picking up a Clockwise shirt. Go to clockwise.social slash shirt where you'll get your choice of colors and sizes from our little store at the Cotton Bureau. We really appreciate it. And you'll look great to boot. Um, all right, bonus topic time. I want to know what was your favorite Halloween costume. Aline? Okay, I, I never aspired to be a princess, but I had this like shiny pink princess dress with a crown. And I think I wore that two or three years in a row because I liked it so Aww. much. As an adult, I realized it's just because I like pretty dresses. <laughs> but as a kid, that was the <laughs> closest I could come. Uh, for me, I remember as a kid one year, uh, my mom got me like a pirate costume and I will never forget it. It came with a little makeup kit and the blackout of the tooth. I looked in the mirror and it freaked me out. I thought it looked so real. And then the little sponge that they gave for you to put on facial hair. 
that too looked like real hair on my face. And those two things, the way that it transformed me in this mirror was so shocking, but so awesome that I just like saw the magic of costuming in that moment. And I'll never forget that pirate costume. And it's just one of those, you know, $4 pirate uh, makeup costume <laughs> things. And man, it just, it changed everything. It was awesome. Uh, Guy, what about you? I've never really been into Halloween. So I, I my friends dressing up as ninjas in 1986, I guess, would be my favorite. But I think I'm going to replace that memory with young Micah. <laughs> I am looking at your photo in, in the Zoom call now, and I'm just imagining it blacked out. Like, that's a great riff. Right before, you know, I got to that age of being too cool for, like, dressing up in costumes, you know, 12 or 13 or something like that. Uh, my mom definitely made me a, a like sewed black panels onto a red turtleneck to make a Star Trek: The Next Generation uniform, <laughs> and then we put like Aww. like a fake beard, not fake beard, like literally like drew on fake beard. So I was Commander Riker uh, that year, and that is that. I have to see if I can ever find some photos of that because that I feel very fond about that costume, and yeah. in my head it looked awesome. So I have no idea. Uh, I'm just going to continue to to believe that that's the case. If you'd like to get ad-free episodes with an extra overtime topic every week, you can become a member of Clockwise. Just go to relay.fm slash clockwise, sign up for just $5 a month or $50 a year, and you'll help support the show. In this week's overtime topic, we reveal our smart home setups. And that is the end of the episode. All that remains is for us to thank our fantastic guest this week. Aline Sims, thank you so much for being here. I can go back to my book now. And me matey, guy English, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me on. I doubt you'll have me back, but I appreciate the time. Oh, I'm sure we will. But Mike and I will be back <laughs> next week. Uh, until then, we remind everybody listening out there, watch what you say. And keep watching the clock. Bye, everybody. <laughs>